0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. I'm Gary Rogowski. Today's topic, a fascinating one, suggested by uh, one of my students, Jean-Philippe, who who was curious about um, what my favorite hand tool was, and I thought, well, narrowing it down to one is so limiting, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I've been became a woodworker because I was a tool junkie like most of you woodworkers who are listening and so limiting it to just one tool that's no that's impossible so I decided I would take the 10 tools I would list the 10 tools that I would take that's what I meant to say um, to a desert island I am off on it to a desert island the concept is simply this What 10 tools would I take if I only had 10 to grab? Hop on the ship, escape whatever is coming the meteor impact, the flu pandemic, the zombie cell phone user apocalypse. Everyone staring at their phone. So I'm headed to my island and I have time to choose 10 hand tools. What would they be? No electricity? What would they be? Well, Let's back up a little and consider the six simple machines of the world. You know them, you remember them. Uh, They will help give us some idea about uh, what's important. And no, they do not include the remote control or the GPS or the backup camera on your car. Sorry. Uh, No, the six simple machines are this, and in order of importance the wedge. Of course, the wedge. The lever, the screw, the wheel and axle, the inclined plane, also a wedge, and the pulley. Now, I make the claim, and, and someday I'll, I'll devote a whole podcast to this, that the wedge is the most important tool in the shop. Every tool in the shop, except for the hammer, is a wedge. So, the wedge is, is probably the most important tool. Uh, so, my, my number one tool would be my half-inch Lee Nielsen bench chisel, my bevel-edge chisel. It's the tool I grab for the most. I use it for paring. I use it for chopping, um, cleaning the fuzz off a router cut, uh, chamfering along a line, uh, chopping a mortise out, uh, squaring the edge for, uh, for some inlay. It is well-balanced, fits my hands just great, a hornbeam handle so it feels really nice in your hand, and that makes such a difference in your world when you're there working with a tool that does the job and feels good in your hand. The chisel is tough enough to pound on and light enough to pair with. It feels great and is a joy to use. And so since I only have 10 tools to grab, I'll also use it as a marking tool, a marking knife, as well as cutting up my foodstuffs, uh, slicing cheese or apple or pomegranate. Uh, The half inch bevel edge socket chisel, that's number one. The second tool I would grab is my low-angle block plane. That's also from Lee Nielsen, the 102. Now, I use this block plane for so many jobs, uh, and it just fits my hands perfectly. Um, Let me back up just a second. The block plane is a tool that runs with the iron bevel side up, uh, a standard angle block plane, rests at a 20 degree angle plus your 25 degree angle grind you have a 45 degree cutting angle which is the same as a bench plane and uh, years ago my dad gave me his uh, block plane his Stanley block plane standard angle block plane and I thought okay well I'm going to use this and I learned how to sharpen it really thin blade really tough to sharpen but I learned how to sharpen it, and I used it and you know my dad had given it to me and it was you know really hard to adjust there's a little lever on the back and that Even when you loosen up the adjusting wheel, the lockdown wheel, adjusted it, it was hard. It was hard to stay in in tune. And then it didn't really cut end grain all that well. But but my dad had given it to me. Uh, And, you know, as I say, it was hard to sharpen, but my dad had given it to me. And then I got this Lee Nielsen low angle block plane, the number 102, and I put my dad's hand plane up at the top of the shelf, and there it is. I can look at it every day. And I grabbed my 102, every day. So it is indispensable for me. It is um, a lightweight, fits my hands just great. I told Thomas, Thomas Lee Nielsen, um, that uh, I could sell the heck out of that low-angle block plane. Just give me a low-angle block plane booth at every craft show I was at. I'd just sell the heck out of it. I just think they're great. Um, Chamfering, beveling, cleaning up joints, flattening surfaces, the low-angle block plane is bedded at a 12-degree angle, so the effective of cutting angle on it is 37 degrees. And this makes slicing through grain just a breeze. It's a joy to, to use that plane for cleaning up the end of a, a table leg or a chair leg or something um, and doing shaping. Uh, it just slices through hard material. Just great, great tool. That's number two. Number three, I am going to include this. I know uh, that I had a discussion with Juice about this and uh, whether I could really include it or couldn't I just use my, you know, the length of my forearm uh, or the distance of a digit. But I, I really do rely on this tool, so I have to include it in this group. And this is my six-inch spirit rule, the 604RE. It has six scales on it. Um, an eighth-inch scale, a sixteenth-inch scale, a 32nd-inch scale, and what I call the optometrist scale, the 64th of an inch scale. I can't read it. But its most important quality is that it has two end scales, so I can use it for uh, stretching out over a a hole or a distance and reading the end scale. It's three-quarters of an inch wide. It is just my standard for measuring, and I think that makes it indispensable having a standard for measurement heck my fingers are shrinking or cramping or something anyway um a standard for measurement is is important you know of course that if you use a tape measure you have to uh, check it against uh, another standard so when i buy my tape measures i take my 604 re with me and check that 32nd inch scale and if they're if they don't match i don't buy that tape measure Tape measures can vary by as much as an eighth of an inch. That's the industry standard. It's good enough. So what that tells you is that there is no standard. You cannot be switching measuring tools unless they match each other perfectly. So can't be switching tape measures in the middle of a job. So that is number three. What is number four? Let's see what's on my list here. Oh, so I have the half-inch chisel, the 102. You know, at this point, I've got two tools that I have to keep sharp. I'm going to have to bring a sharpening stone. I have to do it. Um, And I would take a diamond stone. If I can't do a double-sided diamond stone for whatever reasons, uh, I would just take a coarse diamond stone. Coarse, uh, in the world of uh, DMT, which is uh, the company that I get my stones from, uh, coarse leaves a finish that you can check your your teeth with. I mean, it's so fine a finish, but they call it coarse. Okay? That's that's what it is. Uh, according to them. But it it does a, a good job of roughing out surfaces of, a, if I'm only going to get one sharpening stone, it'll be a diamond stone and probably a coarse. If, it, if I have a two-sided diamond stone, I'd take a coarse and a fine. I would be able to sharpen my tools. And have a reliable flat surface. So that's a big deal, and they last a good long while if it's just you using them. They last a good long while. Um, I'd probably grab my jack plane next, my number five bench plane. Um, I have an old Stanley that I've refurbished, um, put some nice rosewood handles on it years ago, and then changed the iron out. I've got a hawk iron on, on it and a hock cap iron. And boy, when I put that new cap iron on a big, thick thing. Uh, that made a huge difference in how that plane performed. It's the best bench plane in my shop. Uh, I love using it and, um, it's not fancy. It's not a fancy number five, but it does a great job. So it's called a jack plane as in Jack of all trades can do lots of jobs like smoothing and flattening, uh, truing up edges, shooting edges for gluing up. Uh, I use it for such a variety of, of purposes, but that, uh, a good iron, a good thick iron, and a good thick cap iron will make a huge difference. So that's that's the next tool. I think I'm going to grab my my saw next. And this is a tough one. I've been thinking about this. Which saw am I going to grab? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in the end, I decided I was I would grab my Japanese Dazuki saw. Uh, it's a back saw. It has a hard back. It is. Um, usable for cutting joints and for cutting material to length, I find it the most valuable uh, single tool. Uh, If I grab my Lee Nielsen back saw um, for cutting dovetails, then I have a hard time cutting things to length. If I grab my crosscut saw, then I have a hard time cutting tenons. The can can do it. Not all, but it can do, a, I think, a better overall job of of sawing um, than the very specific saws that you see out there now. So those back saws are great. Uh, I, I use my Lee Nielsen back saw more than I use my Nizuki. But if I've just got something to cut off, I grab that that little Japanese back saw and it works great. It does a great job, and it's easy to learn to saw with. Uh, has a very thin curve and leaves a nice finish. Um, with practice, you can get very accurate results with it. Scraper next, because, you know, that's just valuable to have. You know, you just need a little tool for uh, truing up an edge, uh, but not taking too much material off. You don't want to worry about grain direction. The card scraper is great for that. Fantastic. And if I use a card scraper, then I'm going to want my smoothing file. My smoothing file is indispensable for my scraper so I need to be able to put a good edge on this on this tool and the file is really the first step there's a lot of video out there on how to sharpen a scraper and it's such a valuable tool that if you don't know how to sharpen it basically you think of it as a worthless piece of steel and it is not once you learn one very very simple trick that took me forever to discover um, once you learn this It's a piece of cake, and you'll love using it. The key is to uh, don't put the scraper in the vise. Oh, my goodness. Don't put the scraper in the vise. Put the file in the vise. It's so simple. Go to my YouTube channel, Northwest Woodworking Studio, and check out our sharpening and scraper video. You will see it. It's very simple and easy to reproduce results. The problem with putting a scraper in the vise is that it's hard to hold the file straight or square so you have to buy a jig to do that and blah 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 you just you know keep buying more tools which in and of itself is fine but this one just put the mill file the smoothing file in the vice drag your scraper along that file and you're going to true up that edge it's going to be flat and straight because the file is straight and square to both faces as long as your vice is mounted properly And that will make your life so much simpler. Once you file it straight, you're going to feel a little burr on both sides, a little fuzz on both sides. Then you take it to your diamond stone. Remember, you have a diamond stone with you on the desert island, uh, or I do at least. And I'm going to clean those file marks up next. Once I clean those file marks up, I'm pretty much ready to go. I can use it as a scraper. I don't need to turn the burr over, so I don't need to bring a burnisher. I can use it as a very fine scraper just with filing and cleaning up those uh, file marks with my diamond stone. If I want a more aggressive edge, then I can take my chisel, which has been hardened, and turn an edge or a burr over onto the card scraper, 80, 80, 82 and a half degree angle, somewhere in there. And um, turn a burr on it, and now I can cut in either direction on a piece of wood and uh, get great results. The key is the file. That's why the file has to be included in, in the kit of tools. Those are the next two tools, a scraper and a smoothing file. And uh, now I've got all sorts of wedges at my disposal for truing an edge, uh, flattening an edge, uh, smoothing it, and getting it ready for, uh, for finish. But if I've got curved work, now I'm gonna need my spoke so that's So that's the next tool. Uh, then I'm going to add to my kit the spoke shave so I can do curve work. I use a, a 151 Stanley and I've got a hawk iron in that so that it's thicker, easier to sharpen, and stiffer. That makes a difference. Um, and the spoke shave I use for all sorts of curved work, all convex work, uh, and chamfering. Um, every time I make a template, I use my spoke shave to clean those edges. Because I can get a much truer surface. So, where are we at right now? Let me count. Number one, a half inch chisel. Number two, my 102 low angle block plane. My six inch rule. A diamond stone. Number five is a jack plane. Number six, my saw. My Dazuki saw for all sorts of all purpose cutting. Number seven, my scraper. Number eight that goes along with my scraper is my mill smoothing file, and number nine my spoke shave. So that leaves me one tool left, and it's tough, of course, but I'm going to go with my rasp, my cabinet maker's rasp. I use a Nicholson's number forty nine cabinet maker's rasp, um, which I think is great. Uh, I have a. Oh, I have three or four other rasps as well. You know that, of course, that I have more tools than just one. Uh, I have a dragon rasp, which is really pretty nice. It's, uh comes to a very narrow tip, but I can use it for rough work and then use it for fine work. And I have an RU rasp as well. But my Nicholson is the one I, I grab for the most. It's the most useful for cleaning things up. I had some through tenons to clean up the other day and uh, I didn't want to saw them off. I thought, okay, I'm just going to grab my Nicholson's and, and uh, do some rough work and, and bring, these, bring those tenons down to a reasonable size before I started to shape them. And the cabinet makers rasp does, does a great job. It also can be used uh, for fine work and for shaping. So that's it. That makes up my ten. Got a lot of cutting tools in there, and then cutting tools to help the cutting tools. Can we just say that I have a pencil? No, I suppose you can't. So I need three different pencils, four different pencils. It goes on. It, the list goes on. But those tools are the ones that, uh, if I'm going to go on the road, I've got I've to have those in tow uh, for me to feel uh, that I can do pretty much anything and then borrow someone's router or table saw or what have you in order to finish a job up. My top ten tools to take to a desert island. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski for the Northwest Woodworking Studio. Our website address is northwestwoodworking.com, all spelled out. And there's a list of classes there that you can check out. We've got um, some interesting ones coming up. We have uh, building a bentwood box with uh, Kate Fox. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, And um, we boil the wood. Fun stuff. Really fun fun to see these boxes go together. And a uh, series of classes on using machinery. So, uh, And also check out uh, information about our mastery program. Anyways, thanks very much for listening. I yeah, really appreciate it. And, uh, oh, next chat. Oh, yeah. What's that going to be about? Design. Design. Purpose versus intent. It is a fascinating topic. Trust me. Check it out. Thanks again. Bye.